hey man you should just use the uh whatever the heck that app is acorn no it's not acorns it's like i keep seeing ads for it on hulu and it's got to be a pyramid scheme of some sort <laughs> but it's like the the earnify app oh, and earnify. and it's like this vertically recorded video mm. and somebody's like hey man how are you paying for gas i thought your paycheck didn't come till friday and the guy's like i'm just using earnify it's real cool it's just a bunch of cool community of people paying it forward and mm, mm. and doing nope. doing cool nope, things nope, 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 nope. and like that's very definitely a pyramid scheme <laughs> Oh, no. Hey, Zach. Hey, dude. <laughs> so, uh, Rumble Stillskin, what's the story? <laughs> um, well, I decided, uh, as most of you who listened to last last podcast i decided that i'm no longer putting my legal name on the internet and since this is on the internet <gasps> <laughs> i am going by certis stone now we don't have a theme song to go along with it did we for the last one no but like if you want to know how to spell it we need um jonathan mann to oh okay 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 i see anyway and surprisingly the people in my real life that I told about this didn't think I was crazy. Are how many people is that? <laughs> uh, I told my roommates and I told my father. Okay, so that's uh, that's a few. That's a a decent sample size. Yeah, uh, everyone that I told about it thinks you're crazy, but maybe you just need to. Yeah, they don't know me though. I, I haven't explain yourself a little better. Well, you know, being on the internet is scary, and um. So the system is that I have three isolated, maybe segregated is the better word, information groups. So there's my real name. The people who have that will be separated from people who know the middle group. And that group will be separated from the people who know me publicly as Zerta Stone. So like, I can't know you publicly? I'm confused. Uh, okay, maybe that was a bad way to put it. But um, people I don't necessarily trust. So Zach knows all three of these names because I trust him. My roommates know all three of these names, but like the government only knows my legal name. Okay. The audience of this podcast, I'm sure you're all great. You don't know my other two names. And for those of you who remember from previous podcasts, don't worry, it will be changed soon. Okay. You have the paperwork all drafted up and stuff? Not quite. It's a process. First, I have to pick out a name. Yeah. Manhole Waffle, I'm telling you. Manhole Waffle is not going to fly. Is not going to fly. At this point, it's compromised, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I was afraid I was going to say Rumpelstiltskin. You're going to be like, oh no, dude, you can't say that name either. (laughs) (laughs) So I I still don't think you did a very good job of explaining why the whole three bucket for the, the people system. So... Two buckets would probably be okay, but I want three buckets because it's easy Why to do. Why do you need buckets? Um, so, let's say, just in, in theory, I make some dude mad on the internet. Okay. It's not something I try to do, but it's something that sometimes can't be avoided. Yeah. And this guy decides that, oh, I know how I'll get back at him. I'll publish everything I know about him, which can be a lot if you are motivated. Now, most people are not motivated and cannot find my address mm-hmm. because they are simply aren't trying hard enough. That's not a challenge. It's just a reality. Mm-hmm. Don't be creepy. Don't be creepy. But this guy, he can make it really easy to find my address just by saying certistonesaddress.com or whatever. Yeah. Phone number, social security, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So... The idea is to have legal name be separated from a name I would use while pissing someone off online. So are you are you thinking that you specifically are more likely to piss off people who are motivated? No, not particularly, but I can imagine that being the case. Okay. Maybe something like what happened on Reply All happens and mm-hmm. someone gets my, I don't know. I deleted most of my accounts at this point, but um, let's say I was do- still using Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Someone gets my Snapchat account and they say, 
hey, don't use a Snapchat account or else. And I call their bluff and they say, bad call, dude. And publish all my information to say, this guy hates puppies. Egg his house. Okay. I don't hate puppies. I don't deserve this. I just got hacked by a guy and got my Snapchat back. Yeah. But if my Snapchat is not connected to my address in any way, and the only way to get to my address from my Snapchat is via a name, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And if the name is different, then it is much, much more difficult to get to any actual personal information. Okay. And so, yeah, we got legal name, we got public name, and the middle column is for companies like Snapchat or like um, Starbucks who need a name but do not need my name. Okay. And that's going to be different from Steven and also the other two names? Uh, no, that w- that is the middle name. That is the second bucket. The, the great old one that cannot be spoken of in audio. Yes, the one that I have to beep out. Is the one that Starbucks knows. Yes, and also like a classmate. Uh, the other idea is for that middle name to have a, uh, a loose actual identity. So I can say, this is my first name, this is my last name, I'm from this place, which is, and none of it's true. Just so I have an identity to tell people if I, because I don't want to have to make up details on the spot. So you can like tell Starbucks a consistent story about you being uh, Cthulhu Sound from Akron, Ohio, <laughs> and you're, you're training to be uh, a nails salon specialist. Yeah, and if Cthulhu Sound introduces themselves as such to a classmate and we need to like change lab partners then Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna get my stories mixed up because i'll just have an identity i'll just have an identity ready so so all of them can say hey have you met cthulhu (laughs) sound the guy who's going to college to be a nail technician or your university it's very important (laughs) so is that just what you've been up to you've been just theorizing that kind of thing for the last two weeks Um, uh, the decision was made even before the last podcast came out, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I have put a decent amount of thought into it. If you have any questions, uh, please direct them at Zach and he will tell me about them. Right. Yes. We will definitely have another follow-up section where I play that little soundbite of you trying to explain yourself to all of the people around me and see what they say. <laughs> oh, man. Playing podcasts to people who did not ask you to do that. That is always the best way to get attention and retain (laughs) it. Go sit in the quad and say, hey, guys, my friend's real weird. Uh, This is him explaining himself. What do you think? (laughs) You thought he was weird. He's actually just a tiny bit paranoid. And this is a logical thing to do. If you're a tiny bit paranoid. If you're a tiny bit paranoid. Do you have a name for this movement? Oh, do you have three names for this movement? No, I don't. I've been calling it the great renaming of 2018, but it's a, it's not very catchy. You could like effectively build a career on scaring people <laughs> and then telling them that they need to to follow your three-step system. <laughs> so much hassle. I don't understand why you're doing it still. I just told you why. Right, but I don't understand why you're going through with it. <laughs> so much work for very little payoff. Or a massive amount of payoff, depending on whether or not something like that will happen in the future in the timeline that I don't do this. Okay. Join me, Zach. Or should I say, Rumpelstiltskin. I'm gonna. I'm very afraid that I am using the wrong microphone, so I'm just going to... Myself and oh shoot, I am using the wrong microphone. All right, uh, sorry that you're gonna have to deal with this audio, but I'm using the wrong microphone to record. Oh, but it was coming through okay on Skype. Yeah, that's the frustrating thing. That's why we need the checklist. Hey there, uh, I'm on the correct microphone now, and you can probably tell, and I'm so sorry. I'm so very sorry. Luckily, that was only 20 minutes of the actual recording. <laughs> I bet I sound great because of this fancy new microphone that I'm really excited about. Maybe that's why you don't sound different to me is because you're sending me your laptop speaker. I should check. Audio and video. Yep. 
Yes, I was. <laughs> How about that, Zach? Oh, wow. Yeah, you sound like a different person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that would probably make a world of difference. I was like, I was leaning away from my mic and I was like, wow, it's not getting much quieter if I, and then if I get close to it, it's not, I wonder what's going on with that. And then all of a sudden. Maybe we should start the podcast over, eh? Yeah. Just, hey, Rumpelstiltskin. That was a good joke. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stick with that joke if we do it a second time. Did we ever actually say what your name is now? Yeah. Sir of Stone. Okay. Said it a few times. I said we haven't made a song for it. Yeah. Yep. I remember now. C-E-R-T-U-S-S-T-O-N. That's Sirtis Stone. Yeah. Like that. Stone? S-T-O-N-E. <laughs> Songs are hard. <laughs> C-E-R-T-U-S-S-T-O-N-E. That's Sirtis Stone. <laughs> so you could... <laughs> so you could say in that uh, terribly mashed together... Uh, way that I performed that song, I I was causing the e and the that to be in a superposition. That mm, that syllable mm-hmm. was in a superposition of e and that. It's um, definitely how that works. Yeah, that's. Uh, I was just reading uh, a thing by Dykstra, the guy who came up with the algorithm, mm-hmm. and he was basically like, "A, uh, software engineering is for charlatans and wimps," and. <laughs> B, uh, if you need to use analogies to explain anything in computation, you're weak and doing a disservice to the field. Yeah, sounds about right. So anyway, we're not using the analogy of putting the two things in into one syllable uh, for, for superposition. Because, <laughs> for many reasons. Because Dykstra will rise from his grave and slap me. Not only are you using an analogy, that's a terrible analogy, why would you pick that one? And you would say it was for a bad joke. It was for a very bad joke uh, and an attempted segue into the thing I actually want to talk about, which is quantum computers. Yay. We did it. We, we got there. It. So I, I had a thing written down that I needed to research for this episode. And then I researched something totally else. And that totally else thing was quantum computers. Awesome. So like the basics are at a very individual very cold or very small level things don't behave the way you expect them to so we can use some of those properties of the very cold very small things to do computation faster and better and different and at its basic level it is a lot like modern computation just the normal binary one zero type thing um there's more unit circles and imaginary numbers from what i can tell (laughs) but at a basic level you still have a state of the thing Mm -hmm. and the the operations you perform on it to get it to the next state right so you could have two bits and combine them with an AND gate and get another bit out of that and use that and build that up. But if I just handed you an AND gate, you wouldn't be like, oh, I've got it, computer graphics. Uh, probably not. You'd be like, huh, cool. I guess maybe if I spend a lot of time with this, I can make it add two four-bit numbers. Yes. And, and we've built up from there, but at its basic level, everything is basically NAND gates. Yeah. Uh, at some point during the semester, my computer engineering professor said oh hey for homework today we're going to have you make this thing out of nand gates it was about three pages long yeah that's re redefining everything to be only nand gates is gross that's my review it was not enjoyable for sure so in the same way if i hand you the the basic like i don't remember what any of the names are for any of the operations now i think one of them is just called t But the biggest one is evenly distributing probabilities. So, for example, if you have a qubit, which is like the way you store information, the qubit at any time has a certain probability that it will collapse into one state or another. One or zero. Yeah. And you can modify what those probabilities are. So maybe it starts out and any time it collapses, it'll collapse into a one. Right. But then by the time you you do whatever god what's the uh, i'm gonna look up 
It's called the Quail Instruction Set. Um, Quail? Like the bird? Instruction Set. Quill. Not quail. Quill. Uh Uh-huh. What is the H? What does the H mean? What does the H mean? No. Uh, You can tell I did really good research. H? What is the H? It's like the basic fundamental... All right, well, it is just not there. It's just gone. That information is unavailable, I guess. So anyway, there's an H thing you can do, and that will take the probability from 100 and 0 to 50%. It'll collapse into 1, and 50% it'll collapse into 0. Okay. And keep going. I'll, I'll figure it out. Uh, that's that's like the main thing I wanted to say, is just that we're at the level where effectively everything is assembly. Okay. We're st- we're so far past now actual assembly. Like the last thing that was made in assembly famously is I think the first roller coaster tycoon mm-hmm. was hand tinkered with in assembly, but these days if you're working with like a modern day Intel processor, you just don't want to touch that. You want to let the the computers yeah, figure right. that stuff out for you and not muck about with it because it's so much happening. Mhm. And so we we can jump, or we are now jumping from that thinking of three or four levels abstracted into Python or something, back to this very basic, you've got five different gates you can use and five different operations you can perform on these bits. What are you going to do? Okay, here's the plan. You get a bunch of college sophomores taking computer engineering because college sophomores are writing an assembly. And okay. If you are like, oh, I can't do this because I've been writing in Python for 30 years, you can just get a bunch of college sophomores. Okay, so start them young. Yeah. They're too entrenched in their thoughts if they've been, if they've been software engineering, and mm-hmm. now they're weak and charlatans, according to Dijkstra. <laughs> so they need to, you need to get people who have not been infected with anything but theory, <laughs> and then throw quantum physics at them. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the easy part. There's one thing that I understand, which is Shor's algorithm. When I say understand, I mean looked at a couple videos of and now can go like, oh, yeah, okay, the wiggles. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Zach, I need to know what, before we can talk about any sort of computation with quantum computers, what are the probabilities of and who's assigning them? What do you mean? There's a certain probability that it'll be one and a certain probability that it'll be zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we decide what those probabilities are? And if it is a person deciding them, how do we decide them? And how do we use that to do computations? There's a lot I don't understand. I'm pretty sure it's experimentally. Like if you have a single thing and you know that it'll always be zero, and then you do whatever this thing is, the H, whatever the H means, (laughs) if you do H to it, and then you collapse it, then you can observe it 50% of the time being zero and 50% of the time being one. Um, okay. And if I want to do a computation like, say, one plus one. Okay. How do I assign probabilities to such a thing? I don't think the point of, uh, I don't think the point of a quantum processor is to do addition. Okay. Well, one of the things I've been told that they can do is factor prime numbers quickly. Right, that's the algorithm I'm talking about. Okay, cool. Then you good then go ahead. Okay, so it's wiggles. Uh so through some some math madness that I don't quite comprehend, they turn the problem of finding uh the prime factors into a problem of finding a period of a series through some calculus to mumbo jumbo. Can you tell us what the period of a series is? How often it repeats? Okay. Yeah, that's how I would describe it. Like you got your sine wave and it goes wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. And the period is the time frame between maximums as far as I'm concerned. There's probably a better definition than that. And so then there's also a thing called a quantum Fourier transform. Oh, yeah, that. Which, uh, which makes all the, the particles wiggle until, like, <laughs> if, if you had a perfect quantum processor, all of the wrong particles would stop themselves from wiggling through... Um, negative quantum interference with the Fourier operation. Oh, yeah, definitely. But the right wiggle would be wiggling harder. What's the name of this algorithm? Sure. S-H-O-R. 
So anyway, we can't do this yet because we don't have enough large processors doing the wiggling exactly how we need them to. (laughs) But it's real cool in theory. Uh, Right now, I saw one person who made a quantum game uh, where I think you just, like, try and... It's effectively, like, the qubit flips a coin and you choose which side you think it's going to land on. And that happens with a, a C knot operation, I think, which does half of a knot. Half of a knot? I don't understand quantum yeah. computers. <laughs> I think it's related to imaginary numbers, somehow. Oh, that makes sense, actually. Somehow that makes sense in yeah, my head. because imaginary numbers are like half of a knot. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, really, <laughs> yes, I understand. Yeah. Form the multiplicative group of integers module. Oh, okay. Albanian group. You did. Okay. Um, so just the obtaining factors from the period bit. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I think you do that. Once you know what the period is, then you hand it back to a normal processor to complete the task. Yeah. Because the hard part is knowing what the period is. Uh-huh. So the idea is a quantum processor operates like a coprocessor. Like in your architecture class, you might be talking about um, a floating point processor or coprocessor. Yeah, something to do just floating point operations. Yeah, which is like if you want decimals in your computer, you need like a whole bunch of extra weird Mm -hmm. hardware bits to do it in. Or like your phone with the fancy fingerprint sensor probably as a coprocessor to do uh, special fingerprint operations. Right. And so that's just a thing that your main processor doesn't need to know how to do. It just can say, hey, you, the guy who knows how floating point operations work, please solve this math problem for me. Yeah, it's like a group project, except not awful. (laughs) Um, So the the quantum processor would be the same idea. It's the main processor says, hey, you, random number thing that make make the wiggles good so I can solve this math problem. (laughs) Okay, a little bit of a... um... I have a problem with this microphone that I'm probably going to get used to. I have to laugh into it because you can't really hear me <laughs> if I'm over here laughing. I can't laugh. Yeah, that was... And it's it's a habit you picked up, and I just have realized myself doing it recently, is that when I start to laugh or I start to talk louder, I lean back just because I know then it'll keep my levels roughly about the same. Mm-hmm. But if I laugh here, you can barely hear me. <laughs> I need to laugh into the microphone so that mm-hmm. you guys know how funny I think this is. Yeah. Quantum computers, man. I tell ya. What's up with qubits? Am I right? (laughs) So I used a quantum teleportation to get myself here, and boy, might my arms be tired. So all this work, Zach, it's it's being done by whom? Uh, graduate students, IBM, and another company. Give me a second. I need to go to the website. How many qubits are there? No, qubits. Dang, the website is not appearing for me. Somebody has a website and it's just, it's like the how many people are in space right now website, which just tells you how many people there are in space right now. Hmm. But it tells you exactly how many qubits there are in the world. Interesting. So anyway, there's, there's some company... That starts with an R um, that has 128 qubits in their processor. Let's go to modern day 2018. It's not there. Hmm. So anyway, a lot of uh, tech companies and a couple research labs. Okay, so the research labs and probably some of the companies are making their research public, right? Right. Um, would you say that's the default? Um, well, I just scrolled past a thing that said that uh, Edward Snowden leaked documents about the NSA using quantum computing or seeking to develop a quantum computer for cryptographic purposes. Mm, it's probably not a huge deal because elliptic curve cryptography is really cool and doesn't require prime factorizations. Anyway. What, did you ever explain elliptic curve? I don't think I can. It's like it's uh it's a way to generate keys without using prime numbers wow um you should spend christmas break figuring out a good way to explain elliptic curve for for another project and then just tell me to go listen to that for a different (laughs) yeah for project um 
Mabinogi? Project, we didn't give that project a name, did we? So maybe not public by default, but some of it's public. Is there anything else that's public by default? Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact. Um, Venmo is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm living in a house now with other people, and we've got to coordinate bills and stuff. And I was excited to see that Venmo had an API, because then I could just set up like a little Iftita thing to send all of my friends a, a message threatening to, to hurt their kneecaps if they didn't give me the, the money for the internet. <laughs> but it turns out that the Venmo API isn't for like using like that. It's just for uh, harvesting other people's data. Oh, good. Um, so if you would like to navigate your web browser to the website public by default dot com probably ooh this is not a secure website um nope not public by default this is also not what I wanted public by default we're just gonna google it dot fyi ah dot fyi also you called me there so fam if you you can just would... use the name I picked out I spent a long time picking out this name <laughs> use the name it's not in my brain yet though that's why that's why you gotta put it in your brain by using it so certus thank you um if you would navigate your web browser on over to public by default fyi all right i'm there um this this is a secured site by the way it is it's some researchers who are like hey it's real weird that you can just see what the latest venmo transaction was you can just like go to some link they have yeah, I don't like that. I think I understand why they're doing it, but... What do you think the reason is? Um, well, Venmo doesn't make a whole lot of money on their actual service, so my guess is that they are giving this information to somebody, and the way they are getting away with it without making people upset is saying, well, it's public anyway. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, for example, the latest exchange that occurred was between, oh, it was a canceled exchange between Christina Duyan and Kathleen Irvine. Hmm, this is, wow, a really impressive website. And the message was accurate bills. So apparently they weren't accurate enough to be uh, accepted. So anyway, you can go through and they just looked at people's information and then from that latest user, you can like get a user's transaction history. And so they have, for example, this person receiving a whole bunch of payments most of which were titled cbd and your face is attached to your venmo account so that's identifiable mm -hmm. your name is on your venmo account mm -hmm. so yeah you can change your the defaults of your transactions do you think it's a bad thing i'm upset that i can't make it do what i actually want but it's very interesting that you can just kind of scrape all of this data um like you can just kind of follow somebody's venmo and and like figure out what kind of chalupa they like or whatever the heck <laughs> yeah um i don't know it's i think as long as the people using the service know that it's public which perhaps they don't all but if they are aware it's public then this is a fine thing to do okay i do not feel angry at venmo for this yeah but i don't know that everyone knows that it's public uh probably not and they should make that more obvious or like puts together just how public public means and yeah. that you can just kind of look at anything on a any browser tab mm -hmm. you can make an app just saying hey these are all the venmo transactions that'd be fun yeah you could Ooh, you could set up a little um uh like a alert light and have it go off whenever someone pays for a synonym for weed hmm i think that would be funny anywhere in the world yeah so you would just have a constantly on alert light <laughs> yeah or maybe just like a few synonyms or some funny synonyms like uh the jazz cabbage mm. okay yeah i think it's so weird that those exchanges happened in public like that the the guy who was a cannabis dealer yeah no it's a bad idea for sure did it in public because, like, I did, there there was one of, like, a couple who just, like, sent bills back and forth and whatever, and that's not a big deal. It's mm -hmm. not, like, federally illegal. 
the way that <laughs> cannabis is. I mean, at least use it like a little, like you can keep track of it with Venmo, but just don't explicitly say, this is weed. Mm-hmm. I'm selling people weed. Look at me <laughs> on the public internet. This is my name. This is my phone number. It's tied to my bank account. So you can just freeze that if I try to run. Mm-hmm. Real quick, can you just, this is mostly unrelated. What do you say is the difference between the dark web and the deep web? Uh, everything. The deep web is anything in, on the internet that is password protected. Anything that Google has not indexed. Maybe they can't, maybe they just haven't yet. The dark web is using onion routers. And that's not the other way around? Because I always thought dark just meant like it was behind a password. No, I will give you an infographic. Okay, so I definitely had them backwards and didn't really know exactly what I was talking about, but good to know. So yeah, at least put your cannabis transactions on the deep web, if not the dark web. Mm-hmm. If not, not on the internet at all. That would be preferred, I think. The deep web would have like, like right now I can log into roundies.com and see what my recent transactions are, I'm assuming. Yeah, I, whatever Roundies is. Roundies is like the conglomerate that owns Pick and Save. Yes, that would be deep web. Deep web, but not dark web. Not dark unless, web. Unless, unless I bought all my groceries <laughs> through uh, back alley onion router sites. Yeah, so if you... Uh, remember we did a bit on the Silk Road that some of our listeners might remember? I remember that. Yeah, so if you bought your groceries on the Silk Road, that's dark web. If you bought them on Amazon, the transaction, the the products are on the surface web on the just normal internet, mm-hmm. but the transactions themselves happen in the in the deep web. Something that is behind a password, something that Google cannot index. You cannot okay. search for Zach's transaction history. Hopefully, so the other side to the coin of me being able to see what all my recent transaction history is is that Roundies can see what my recent transaction history is. Yes. In theory, Venmo can see your transaction history. And someone with a subpoena for Venmo can see your transaction history. Right. I'm done talking about Venmo now. Okay, we're just talking about Roundies? Right, yeah. Because Roundies gives me discounts if I let them follow me around and see what I do from one store to another. I see. I understand where you're going with this. Thank you for the (laughs) clarification. No problem. Oh boy, I never thought we'd actually get to it. I, we're, we're in a bit of a pickle now because we can't send people to the link. You're right. I just, I didn't think of that. When's Serta Stone going to have a, his blog up and running? Uh, eventually, Zach, eventually. Someone just transcribe this and put it somewhere else. One of our great listeners, you'll get a, a super awesome buck. <laughs> it's our new in-store rewards program. <laughs> Do you have the file somewhere? Because like yeah, I want to. No, it's here. It's wanna... here. I I can read this. Okay. I copy and pasted this into the blog that no longer exists. Okay. So, uh, like months ago at this point, because this this has just been floating around in our things to talk about list for a long time. I read an article by the guy that you saw on HBO with cat eye contacts in Ian Bogost, the one from Silicon Valley, the TV show. Okay. Um, but anyway, he's done having cat eyes now, and instead, he is a professor and writes for The Atlantic, but he was generally just talking about, like, privacy nihilism. I disagree with privacy nihilism. One of the things that he pointed out was that store rewards programs, so many people are just like, eh, they've got a little bit of my data, but since, like, the 80s, when we first had databases... <laughs> Stores have been able to compile a lot of information just based on the rewards programs they have and the fact that so many people are signed up to them that they can draw very large conclusions Mm -hmm. from relatively little data. Right. Um, Personally, I use like Walgreens rewards. I use punch cards, which are their own beast, but still included in like store rewards. My Walgreens reward, anytime I tap my phone just like to the terminal to pay, it also makes me use my Walgreens reward card. There's not a way to not use my Walgreens reward card mm. if I want to use tap to pay. That's frustrating. So anyway, I was thinking about this and reflecting on all the ways that I use rewards and in-store rewards and thinking that... <laughs> nope. It, I, gotta, I gotta just like no, get a it. buzzer or something. <laughs> um, thinking that Certus, 
my my security minded friend would probably have uh, some problems with the concept of store rewards. Uh, yeah. So Zach put this in the in the agenda. Oh God, how long ago? At this point, long, long ago, September, and I started thinking about it and could not contain myself. I had to write a whole rant about it. And then mm-hmm. with some formatting, I turned it into a blog post, which no longer exists. So, But, I still but it's going to be up and running by the time this is published, right? Uh, maybe. Probably not. It's going to be, let's just have a single link to this rant. Or you just have an evergreen, constantly cycling certus.rock slash rant. And just whatever the latest rant you came up with. <laughs> that's it a great idea. That. It's actually, that's a, I'm going to do that. Okay. I'm going to do that. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so I have this big long thing that no one can read now. So I'm just going to say it out loud. Oh, okay. Let's try to drum up some emotion quick. Okay. So Roundies is stealing your data and forcing you to eat turkey because they give it to you for cheap. <laughs> okay. So before we get too into this, allow me to be clear about one thing. Uh, stores do not have reward programs for the consumer's benefit. What? They do not, they would not give you discounted or free stuff if they weren't trying to extract your money in some other way. But Mr. Dale Roundy loves me and I get a friends and family discount because I'm such good friends with, is that his name? Uh, Roundies. I think it's Dale Roundy. Um... Nope, it's Bob Mariano. What? That's disappointing. That is disappointing. That's really disappointing. Um, it's also headquartered in the city that I'm in. Oh, we're not saying uh, it out loud anymore. Look at that. Zach's evolving. I mean, I will very shortly, but okay. Judson Roundy, not Dale Roundy. Judson. Judson. Anyway, Judson Roundy does not send out coupons to make your day better. But he does. When he gives me the cheap wheat thins. <laughs> they do it because they think that if they can get you into the store with the coupon, you're more likely to spend money than if you did not have that coupon. Okay. So even if you're the person they talk about in the extreme couponing TV show, where a $500 grocery purchase turns into negative $2.30, mm-hmm. Roundies doesn't hate you. The cashier who has to input all those coupons does, but Roundies loves you. Were you were you a part of the conversation I had, or the did you see the same thing I read that was about how uh, extreme couponing is a way to keep the proletariat happy? Uh, I did not read that. No, is that it's effectively like watching somebody win the lottery? Yeah, yeah, that's the next point. It it makes people who watch that TV show want to do something similar, but of course, ninety nine. Point nine repeating of the people watching that show are not dedicated enough to become extreme couponers. It was your thing. It was the thing that I thought when I read your thing. And I said, <laughs> hey, have you seen that blog post where that Certus guy <laughs> talks about the proletariat? <laughs> anyway, you're going to end up putting money in the pocket of, of roundies just like everyone else. But I'm smart. I'm smarter than that, Certus. We'll see. So, coupons are a simple technology. Let's say, to save X amount of money, you have to go to that store before the expiration date. The store Now, the store is where the psychology of big colorful signs and milk and bread placement and the deals come in. Mm -hmm. When you're in the store, they decide what you look at. And to some degree, they decide what you buy. Okay. Punch cards are the next logical step to this. They are common in college coffee shops you buy a coffee and get a whole punch in the card that you bring to the store after 10 punches you you receive a free coffee essentially you receive 10 percent off your coffee every time you get a whole punch that's a nah, nah i'm gonna i'm gonna disagree with that phrasing of it but it makes you think that that's the way to phrase it yeah that's the do i just keep repeating your points back to you because i read this blog post months ago <laughs> and now it's just kind of subsumed into my reality um because then i'll just be quiet while you read the rest of your blog post no 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 i appreciate the input even if it's mine (laughs) uh this adds a new way for the coffee shop to get you in their store to have the punch card be useful you have to keep it in your wallet or otherwise on your person if you don't you may want to visit the coffee shop and not get your discount that you deserve for being a loyal customer uh, having a branded card in your wallet all the time is great advertising for the store. A gentle reminder that you need a caffeine hit every once in a while. It's also a gentle reminder that you could have gotten 
10% off your coffee that you're paying full price for in a different store. Mm-hmm. And it's not quite 10%. It's um, if you're like me, you buy little coffees until you get your punch card and then you buy a big coffee. Mm-hmm. And that's my way of like, it's cheating the system. Wow. But no, Zach, I'm not cheating the system. The system is not necessarily cheating me, but not being cheated. The system knows what's up. The system knows what's up. But but Certus, what about all the 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 pizza place that's in between me and school? So anytime I'm walking back from school, I just want pizza, and the pizza place is right there. Yeah, same thing. So is a punch card a bad idea then? For whom? Me. For you? I'm cheating the system by living on the opposite <laughs> side of. No. Okay. No. No. Obviously not. I. <laughs> I don't know why that took me so long to think about just the way you like said it or something, but uh, craving pizza in other ways is not somehow better than punch cards. You are still affected by the punch card in your wallet, Mm -hmm. regardless of where you live. And the other thing about it is that you're not going to go to a different pizza place if you're like, this pizza place is too expensive than the one from campus. You're not going to go to the one two blocks down because you have this fancy rewards program now and you're no, saving No, I don't money. go to the one two blocks down because they paid to fix the streets. We've been over this. Zach doesn't like capitalism. We have been over this. I don't like dominoes. I mean, okay, but try the, the hand toss crust. It's actually pretty good. I can't. Principles. Principles, man. Pizza. Pizza over principles is a really good way to live your life. You're right. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. It doesn't very often compromise your morals, so it's really not that bad of a way to live. I think it's not that bad of a thing that is happening. But we that's a diff- that's a conversation for another time, possibly a time in the past, now that I'm <laughs> thinking about it. I think we already talked about this. Anyway, membership programs are an interesting adaption to the punch card. You'll give the store your e- email or phone number, and they'll give you discounts on your purchases, like Walgreens does this, like Zach was saying. Uh, this makes the store money in two ways, actually. The first is similar to the punch card, but instead of seeing an advertisement in your pocket, you'll receive an email from them every three days telling you about their new deals. In essence, a coupon that a consumer doesn't need to seek out. The second way is that having the data will increase your value to them as a customer. They've always been able to see what people in aggregate are buying, but now they can keep track of you as an individual, mm-hmm. what you are buying. And they can use that data to adjust prices, inventory, and their advertising strategy. Because at some level, if you type in your phone number, they know you're Zach Sharp, you live here, and that you fit into this demographic. And you buy peanut M&Ms on Thursdays. And if they have enough data like that, they can make some actually valuable advertising decisions, increasing your value to them, yeah, not their value to you. Just want to yeah. reiterate that. No, but when they advertise to me, it's because they know what I want. They're just using my data to tell me what I want. And really, if I'm getting what I want, why is that so bad? It's what I want. They told me. Yeah, but you wouldn't buy it otherwise. That's what you're saying, yeah? Yeah. And if you wouldn't, if you're not going to buy it otherwise, you probably don't need it. Okay, but what about the coupon for wheat things that I got? Which is not to say I was about to go out and buy wheat thins, but inevitably next time I go to the supermarket, I would have bought a cracker of some sort. Right. And there's all sorts of ways that they can make money off that. Uh, Perhaps wheat thins is giving them money to give you a coupon, or perhaps they need to sell more wheat thins to get rid of their inventory. They're free wheat thins. It's a coupon for free wheat thins. I can walk in there hand them my free Wheat Thins coupon and a box of Wheat Thins and walk out having exchanged zero cash. Yeah. And it's not... it. The, 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 the coupon was actually sent to an old resident of this house, so they aren't even getting my data. Well, that's a the failing on their kind. part. But, Zach, there, you're not... There's no such thing as free Wheat Thins, Zach. Someone's paying for them, whether it's Wheat Thins or Roundies or you or some middleman that I don't know about. and. In theory, if you go into that store, you are not likely to buy just Wheat Thins. You are likely to buy much more than just Wheat Thins if you go into a supermarket. Because something in our brain says that the trip to the grocery store costs more than whatever I would otherwise pay for this box of Wheat Thins, $3.29 or whatever. I don't think Wheat Thins are that expensive. It's not a very good deal getting free Wheat Thins. 
did I sufficiently make my point? I, yeah, your point was made a while ago. I just wanted to be contrarian and complain about wheat thins. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you got your free wheat thins. Uh, I have a few more paragraphs here. Oh, okay. Uh, in the worst case, your email address, phone number, etc. can be sold as an asset to some other entity that you did not give it to. Radio Shack in 2015. I will put a link in the show notes. Okay. People don't value their information as much as a large company does. So a majority will give this type of information for a two-week free trial of the gold plan of whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, I have plenty of memberships and punch cards. I don't want you to think that I'm totally against this kind of business practice. And I do have a cynical take on it. I'm very selective about who I give my phone number to, and I carry only one or two punch cards at the moment. Um, for most people, just knowing that membership programs are using their psychology against them is enough to mitigate their effects of that kind of manipulation. And one has to be aware of the downsides of something before they can factor it into their cost-benefit and mental cap calculation, which will be different for everyone and depend on your personal values. So for Zach, maybe the free wheat thins is worth it. Yes. And probably to me as well, they would be worth it if there was a roundies <laughs> anywhere near me. But I'm not going to drive to Milwaukee. I have no idea where the nearest roundies is. Do you have a metro market? No, not that I know really? of. I was just looking up roundies and they said there are metro markets in Madison. <laughs> so next time, next time you're in the store and they're like, oh, do you have a rewards program? And you're like, no, I don't. And they say, do you want to join? Just give it two more seconds of thought before inevitably caving and giving them your phone number, email address, social security number for the free Wheatlands. <laughs> or you can make three different identities. Mm. And then they won't know who to track. Yeah. They'll know about man. No, uh, not manual waffle. Um, what was the name? It was a uh, Cthulhu sound. They'll know what Cthulhu sound likes to buy on Thursdays. Mm -hmm. It's peanut M&Ms. Just Thursdays? That's it's a bit. I like peanut okay. M&Ms, but not to buy enough to buy them every week. Exactly on Thursday at 3.55 p.m. That definitely does not happen, and you will not find me in any Walgreens anywhere near campus at that time. And now, a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. <laughs> Is a big, poopy-headed doo-doo butt. The National Weather Service has issued a winter storm warning. It is in effect for your area. Expect heavy snowfall. This has been a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. Were you doing that the entire time I was gone? I gave you a couple takes. Oh, okay, cool, cool. So, Zach, is it snowing? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's raining. Yeah, that's definitely rain up there. Wait, no. Okay, wait. There's snow on the top of the window, but it melts by the time it hits the bottom of the window. So something you said in the, the store rewards section made me think of a discussion I was having over break about, like, irony in advertising that I feel like most of the people we know are aware that we're being advertised to and very directly. Mm-hmm. So some advertising tactics don't work. So then like a stopgap advertising tactic was saying, hey, we're going to use some psychological tricks on you. Isn't that funny? We're relatable. <laughs> but anyway, that's that doesn't work as much anymore. It's just you were saying like there's some psychological tricks that they use. But if you know about them, it's probably enough to mitigate them. But I'm I don't know if that's for sure. And I think that that's part of the reason that the the like ironic advertisements don't work hmm. i think ironic advertisements don't work because just because you're relatable doesn't make me want to buy your product yeah that too uh, i think uh, subliminal messaging is not really a thing are you saying that mentalism book i just paid a bunch of money for isn't wasn't worth it uh yeah human brains are really stupid and not really good at picking up details so <laughs> so I would say, as a rule, uh, don't count on subliminal messaging to work. I, I, I guess the point of that was human brains like big, colorful things, and that will forever be advertising. Shiny and colorful have sugar. Yes.
The big advertising um, breakthrough, I don't want to call it a breakthrough. People knew about it before this, but like it's becoming much more prevalent. I have found I trend. Yeah. Yeah. When I went home for Thanksgiving break, I watched sports ball on the television Mm -hmm. and the advertising. I saw a lot of it was um, habit based. So when you find yourself in this situation, the, the messaging is when you find yourself in this situation, get yourself a Snickers or whatever. Hmm. And just have that have that ingrained in people so much. Like if I say if I say microphone to Zach, he'll probably he's probably going to think of his blue yeti because that's the one he's used for a while now. I might be a weird exception because I own a number of microphones. Uh, okay, microphones is a bad example. Uh, glasses. Yeah, there's there's at least a distinct style, even if it's not the same brand. Right. That comes to mind. Right. So the idea is when you're in a situation, you want to think about Snickers. When you're cranky, mm-hmm. think Snickers. When you're cranky, think Snickers. And just keep saying that over and over and over. Mm-hmm. So eventually, when someone's cranky, they're going to think Snickers. Yeah, when you're experiencing a single moment of boredom, think Twitter. Exactly, exactly. So that kind of advertising is becoming more prevalent, I've found. Huh. I've kind of eliminated advertising, especially video advertising, almost entirely from my life at this point. Yeah, no, the the couple days I was home was the most advertising I had watched in a long time. Hulu, I guess. Hulu is the main place that my advertising comes from. And it's all like arthritis medicine. So they did a very <laughs> bad job of of getting my store awards program profile pegged down. Or maybe they're just thinking really far ahead. It's arthritis medicine and trucks. Two things I definitely <laughs> never want to have and probably won't. Well, uh, you never know with arthritis. I, right. I don't think it's a thing you can predict. I can predict trucks, though. And trucks I predict no. <laughs> like pickup trucks? Yes, like the Ford yeah. F-150. They're like, real real men, when they do jobs, they used, used to use horses, but now they use trucks. Buy our truck. Yeah. When you're doing a job, get a truck. If you're going to buy a truck, what truck are you going to buy? Probably not a Ford F-150, because <laughs> it's the only one that's stuck in my brain as gratuitous advertising. Yeah, definitely the wrong demographic for Zach. And there's no, like, Hulu used to have a button to be like, hey, you have my profile wrong, and if you're going to feed me ads, at least don't give me ones about trucks. And they don't have that button anymore, and I'm upset. Well, start buying arthritis medication, and then they'll stop advertising trucks. Or maybe they'll only advertise trucks because they don't need to advertise arthritis anymore. I've already got arthritis medicine, so. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, when you think... I don't know. What do we want to associate ourselves with? What do we want our brand to be associated with? What emotion? Uh, when you think podcast. That's not an emotion. No, it's not. When you, when you are, when you're just craving some knowledge. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, when you're feeling knowledge hungry, think worrying bugs. As always, you can catch us on the social media. I'm at... (laughs) 